Welcome to Below Average Gaming. Today, I'm Michael, obviously. I'm here with Josh. How are you doing today? Oh, hot medium. Or amongst the... Hot uh, medium? Yeah, it's all the uh, smoke and, you know, everything outside. It just looks like you're what, an apocalypse. You, you don't enjoy your lungs being black? Not, not particularly. The draw distance is really bugging me. Yeah, I get that. It's not as bad as, like... The last summer one, though. No, you mean the one where I like felt like I was gonna die for a month? Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> the one where you couldn't see across the road. Lose lose my house, so I'm gonna go get my mail. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're doing something a little bit different. Today we're gonna talk about uh, a specific like design aspect of games. So we're gonna be doing this a little bit. The first one we're doing here today is difficulty. So we're going to talk about what makes games hard, how games are made hard, and what we like and don't like about these different methods of making games difficult. That made sense, right? It made sense to me. I, I feel there's self-doubt. Are you making things <laughs> difficult on yourself? <laughs> so the plan for today is I have pretty strong feelings and a lot of like things to say on this one so i think i'm gonna kind of lead and josh will be in and out here so the first thing i kind of want to just like go over is when you're talking about like difficult games i feel like there's a good way to make your games difficult and a bad way so when you're making your games hard your goal should be to like make players want to play more and make games difficult in a way that players want to get better and want to want to keep playing to like climb the next mountain for example like to use a metaphor there and not to kick them in the metaphorical ball so much that they quit. Well, there are a couple communities that kind of do enjoy that experience, like something like Kaizo Mario or something like that, where it's just like extremely hard to the, for the purpose of like pissing people off almost. Um, there were also like stream games that kind of got popular doing that things like getting over it. What are those kind of um, levels by the way? What? The the Kaizo Mario levels, what are those? I'm actually not familiar with those. Uh, Kaizo Mario is, um, it's most commonly in, like, Super Mario World, mm. where basically there's a whole bunch of, like, software to build custom Mario levels. So you have to, uh, like, acquire a, like, a modded uh, cartridge for your Super Nintendo to play them locally, or you can play them on an emulator. And then it just is extremely difficult... Mario levels. And, like, one of the big things in Mario, in, like, Kaizo Mario, is what's called a Kaizo block, which is basically just where there's an invisible block randomly in the level, and if you hit it, you're gonna die. Oh, that... Like an invisible, like, question mark block. And, like, that's why I say, like, there's community differences here. Generally speaking, for the average player, that isn't gonna fly, and that will just piss people off. Yeah, I'm anti-masochism. But for this... For that specific community, it's really good. And Kaizo Mario levels also have, like, the advantage of because they're using, like, an existing game, when you're going into designing a game, you don't have to worry about, like, a learning curve at all. You can expect your players to have a certain level of skill. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you had never played Super Mario World and went into a Kaizo level, you probably wouldn't have a good time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, just to kind of reiterate this uh all of this is going to be re referring to like uh not necessarily single player but like pve games 
Um, nothing to do with PvP games, just because PvP games are less on like a difficult scale and more on a learning curve scale. And those games are, regardless of the complexity of them, always just really hard to be the best at because they're PvP and you have a whole bunch of players that are also trying to be the best at them. Yep, sure. <clears throat> you got anything you want to say before we get into this here? No, I'm just ready to get at it. Let's do this. Okay, so we're going to go over, um, at least in my mind, what are like the different types of difficulty, so the way in which you can make games hard, uh, and then kind of give you a good example and a bad example of each. So the first type, and probably the most common, is scaling difficulty. So this is difficulty where your the start of your game is easy and kind of designed to draw people in and get people like acquainted with the controls or what's going on in the world, all that kind of stuff. And then it scales up to the end of the game and gets harder as the game goes on. This is in almost every game, uh, in my opinion. Like, I don't, I can't think of a game that doesn't have this form of difficulty where, like, the end of the game is harder than the beginning. Uh, so most commonly, you have this scaling difficulty plus another, another method of difficulty added into the game, which we'll go over those as well. So yeah, just the idea that the game gets harder as you go along and play it. And then there are obviously examples of games that like do this really poorly, where there's one level that's super outside of the difficulty and like it's way too hard for where it is or way too easy for where it is in the game. And it just destroys this experience. So I think that scaling difficulty uh, was done best in Hollow Knight. I think that's just like one of the best games for it. The game comes like the game constantly challenges you, but nothing feels bullshit. At least it didn't to me when I played that game. So it just like it very much draws you in with the if you're just a little bit better, if you're just a little bit quicker at this, if you just know this fight a little bit better, you'll always be able to get to the next part. And it never felt like, well, I'm just never going to be able to do this, so I'm just going to quit. And that mentality probably kill like goes away for a lot of people in like pantheon but that's like totally optional post-game dlc content which kind of makes it not really in this part for me like as far as like the scaling difficulty i'm looking at what you do in the base game because the purpose of the pantheon was to be super super difficult yeah i think hollow knight's a good example too because that game teaches you things as you go really well like there's definitely bosses like one of the earlier bosses hornet is designed to teach you that there's attack patterns in the game and you need to learn them, which is nice. Because the game's not as random as, like, some other games can be. Like, enemies will just attack you with any number of their skills at any time, where Hollow Knight has patterns, which definitely does well for its scaling difficulties, that the patterns get harder and harder to actually play around. But the game still is about attack patterns through the entire game, and the first boss fight you really have teaches you that, which I really like. Yeah, and the thing is, is the the attack patterns really add to a bit more of that game because they let it do its scaling in a really cool way where you have all these boss fights where you fight them twice, basically. So you have like an easy version and then a hard version, but everything you've learned about the attack patterns transfers over from the easy to the hard with just like little differences. All the dream bosses are like this, where like their movesets are similar with little additions. Like when you go from uh, Grim to Nightmare King Grim. There's just a little bit there. There's new things you have to learn, but all of what you learned fighting normal Grim still transfers over. 
Um, this, this difficulty, the, like this type of difficulty is probably also accounts for 100% of puzzle games. So if you are someone who plays puzzle games, this probably is the type of difficulty that you're most accustomed to. And it's also because of the nature of puzzle games can lead to really bad experiences when this is messed up. There's a couple games that I know of that just have like one or two levels that just feel out of place where you like encounter a super easy level too, or a super hard level too early on into the game and it's just like it feels like a brick wall you can't get past it or where you're like nearing the end of the game and then one of like the last like five or six puzzles is just like a joke and it's like leaves you feeling like really disappointed because you've been building up to this and then one of your puzzles is just like a total flop so yeah like bad for that i know uh steven sausage roll has like one level that's really bad for this um in the early game that just like is totally out of place in the game Shadow of the Colossus is another one that I think did this difficulty scaling pretty badly just because, like, the ending, the last boss was just, like, a joke, even when you compared, like, the game wasn't hard, but when you compare it to, like, the last three, the final boss was, like, even easier than the last three Colossus, which just shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, and there's other games, too, that I really like that also have issues like that, like, um, the classic example, which I go back to way too many times, Final Fantasy Tactics has a 1v1 fight partway through the game, and the whole entire game's about having a party of five, then all of a sudden they're like, nah, this is 1v1. So, like, it's just one-on-one combat, and if you took your main character and made them a healer, that fight actually can be impossible to beat, and you actually have to backtrack if you want to do that part of the game. I find... And this is just kind of a comment on the genre... Because, again, this this difficulty is the most common. Kind of like the ARPG genre. And just like the like loot-style games. Things like Diablo, Borderlands, stuff like that. I find that they don't do scaling very well. Just because you hit like your end game point. And then the end game feels like the gameplay never changes. You never have to like play better. You just have to acquire better loot. So it kind of removes that additional... Like, the additional portion to it of having to constantly improve and relearn the game. Yeah, the, the only thing that I like about, like, Diablo in particular is that set gears matter so much in that game. So, like, if you get a new set of gear, it can actually change the entire loadout of uh, abilities that you choose to use in that game. Which does make it a little hard, but I can definitely see what you're saying, that it's not really, like, something where you, the game progressively gets harder. It's just, as you get better gear, you up your difficulty level to make it harder. Which is kind of, yeah, that is a little janky. I, I touch on this a little bit a little bit further on here, but like just the difficulty of enemies just dealing like proportionately more damage and you just fight them the same way, you just have to take things a little bit slower or you just have to have better gear doesn't lead to like super great gameplay. Like if we take like if we look at like Monster Hunter, for example, Monster Hunter I think has like super good scaling across the course of the game. Like even if you take into account the DLC. And the only issue with Monster Hunter is the fact that they gave Defender Armor, and if you use Defender Armor through the whole base game, you're going to quit the game at Iceborne. Because the game's easy and then suddenly it's not and it's just like not enjoyable. But the thing is is even like late game when you start like hitting the point where you're just acquiring new items and stuff like that, that like level of having to reassess what you're putting on like your character, what gear you're using is still there, but the fights still actively get harder. And like it's like if you're going and fighting like Alatrion's the monster that just came out. But like if you're fighting Alatrion and you have it doesn't matter if you have the best gear, you still have to learn how to fight him. 
which I personally don't think is necessarily the case in these, like, infinite endgame games. Yeah, like Diablo and Borderlands and stuff like that, there isn't really learning involved with that. Like, one of the best wizard builds in Diablo Forever was just a stunlock build. So you didn't have to learn anything because you just stunlock everything. So it doesn't really matter. And same thing with Borderlands 2. Borderlands is much more about bullet sponging, where you just, like, unload un- unlimited ammo into something and it dies eventually. You really don't have to get that good at the game. You just have to know how strong you are and when to take cover, which isn't exactly the difficulty scaling. It's just you realizing, oh, I take this much damage, I go hide. I take this much more damage, I go hide. While you're just unloading into an enemy. Yeah. So then moving on from that. So obviously I think scaling exists in almost any game. If anyone has an example of a game that it doesn't exist in. I'd be very interested to know. Because I just. Barring like I guess roguelites. But even roguelites have them. Because the end of the dungeon is harder than the beginning. So. Mm. But the next kind of most common is like just having like a difficulty setting in your game. So this is like your average game where you go to launch up the game. And you have. Easy, medium, and hard. Or whatever words they're choosing to use for them, but that's kind of the gist of it. And this is probably the next most common. Not all games have this, but most do. And generally, this is kind of the what you see for baseline on games, is you see this scaling plus setting difficulty. Um, and I think the golden standard for this type of difficulty, in my opinion, is God of War. I think God of War does this difficulty the best because it has four difficulties in it. And, like, the first difficulty is just extremely accessible. So if anyone who, like, isn't necessarily an avid gamer, doesn't want to, like, put in the time learning and just wants to experience the game, there's an extremely accessible difficulty in that's just available. And it makes the game accessible to people who aren't necessarily fans of the uh, harder stuff in there. And then it has, like, a semi like a casual like normal difficulty in um give me a balanced experience and that one just kind of is the experience and is kind of the game i would say almost how it's meant to be played i would say that give me a uh, a balanced experience give me a challenge are kind of the way that that game is expected to be experienced so you then have one more step up which is a little bit more hardcore and then you have the top step which is give me god of war and that game's actually just like for people who want their game to be as hard as possible and it goes from this extremely accessible to extremely difficult where a lot of people won't complete it just due to giving up and i think that's really good but i think that specifically give me god of war the top difficulty actually does scaling difficulty really poorly because the scaling difficulty on Give Me God of War has a giant trough in the middle. Because the beginning of the game's hard, and the end of the game's hard, and the middle of it isn't. Yeah, which makes stuff like that really awkward. Another game, too, that I really appreciate is Horizon. Has a story mode difficulty, where most enemies die in one hit or two hits, like basic enemies. Later on, like bigger enemies are a little harder. But like, the game, for all intents and purposes, is extremely easy. For people that aren't used to games or just want to casually play a game for story. A, an example that's always bothered me about these two games is Wolfenstein and Celeste. The way they approach difficulty with settings drives me crazy. And I feel like it's kind of gatekeeping. Like, I still think Wolfenstein and Celeste are good games. But, for example, when it comes to difficulty settings, a bad way to do it. On Wolfenstein, the 
difficulty menus, obviously because this is like a very, very like macho game or whatever, but the way they do difficulties is they literally put a pacifier in your mouth for the first difficulty setting, and it's can I play daddy? Which which sucks because games like this I think would be a little bit more approachable if you didn't um, poke fun at people trying to play it. Like it doesn't bother me, but I can definitely see how something like that bothers other people, right? The same thing too if a developer like Celeste basically tells you you shouldn't be playing the game on the easier difficulty setting that they have on there. And like they actively pin your profile with a you didn't play this on the normal difficulty mode pin. Which which sucks because Celeste is a really good story and that game's really good. But just through its own difficulty settings, it just feels a little demeaning for no reason. Especially for a game that's about such a good topic. Yeah, and I think I think the whole like assist mode idea that celeste and a couple other games i know odyssey does it as well i just don't like it as a difficulty like kind of metric just because you should just if that's going to be an option just have it as a difficulty option don't have it be this like assist mode idea just put it in there as what it is just because there is that negative aura around that and like again i'm not someone who it would bother but i get for people who would get bothered by it yeah, and it's like there are good reasons to have accessibility settings, which are different than assist mode. Like some people even call assist mode their accessibility settings for people that have like a physical problem that prevents them from playing the game. <clears throat> and those should always be there. But calling your difficulty settings assist mode just feels really bad for whoever's going to play it, especially if they're newer to games or they just want to do something fun. And then they're like, we, you know, like the statement Celeste is. We understand that every player is different. If Celeste is inaccessible to you due to its difficulty, we hope that assist mode will allow you to still enjoy it. It's like, oh, if you can't beat our game and you just suck, here's where to make it easier. It's like, that game would have benefited so much from just having a difficulty slater, because that game is not easy at all. That's a very difficult game. Yeah, especially when you take into account all of the after game stuff. It gets really yeah. intense. Um, and then just on this kind of setting difficulty thing, I don't like games that just have a difficulty setting where if I turn up the difficulty setting, I'm going to play the game the exact same way, but my mistakes just get punished more. And the reason is, is I think there's, it's just, I, I still, I've played a lot of games and I will still play those games on the hardest difficulty just because that's what I enjoy doing, but when a game actually has its difficulty setting make me play differently, like God of War, for example, you have to play that game so differently on Give Me God of War because it's not just like all enemies deal additional damage. Their stun resistance is reduced. They're more resistant to knockups. In in the base game, like if you're just playing on Give Me a Challenge, you can basically stun lock almost any enemy in the game, except for like a couple bosses. You can't do that on Give Me God of War and you have to like fundamentally rethink how you play the game. And that's just where these difficulties don't actually make you rethink how you play. I'm not as big of a fan of the setting difficulty option. Um, another example is games like... Oh, I'm going to do this, aren't I? Something like Last of Us, which part of its difficulty <laughs> is how the how much, how many resources you get. That is an extremely cool way of doing difficulty, and it's actually really well done just because it makes you rethink how you play the game. 
Yeah, resource scarcity is a very good setting because you can't just like fudge your way through the game like a lot of games that have resources in them. Like if, if you have a resource setting in your game and it's a big part of your game and you never run out of resources and you just like go into everything just gun ho and it's like resources never really matter or you have to leave something because your bag is full. That just feels like bad difficulty scaling bad difficulty in a game. Yeah, and uh, like another example of just this, just increasing like damage to make the game more difficult is um, Monster Hunter. I don't think that tempered monsters are good game design because it's just the same monster deals additional damage. There are some that actually have like different attack patterns and different things like that. And as soon as you're changing the fight to actually make it harder, not just less forgiving... Like, the fight will also be less forgiving. That's fine. But you should actually do something to make the fight harder beyond just that. Beyond just it being a higher damage. The attack pattern should be harder to read, or it should be harder to know kind of what's coming in, assume what's going on, or anything like that. Do you have any games that you think did this, like, really badly? The, uh, the difficulty curve? Just like, just like having difficulty settings, where, like, it doesn't do anything. Most shooters do a really bad job. The, an actual good classic example is Call of Duty's grenades. I believe it was in Call of Duty World War Two. Yeah, World at War. The first time they went to uh, World at War. So World War like... settings. Yeah, that game. If you put it on veteran, the AI has infinite grenades. <laughs> and it there are some great videos out there. If anyone wants to see it, of Veteran Call of Duty World at War, 100 grenades in under a minute. It's fantastic. I did not know that. Yep. I've Well, I beat the first, like, six or seven Call of Duties on campaigns on Veteran. Yeah, those those games on Veteran are a joke. There's so much bad design like that where it's just, like, getting grenades lobbed at you and, like, what are you supposed to do? The strategy to beating those on Veteran is to inch forward five feet until you get checkpointed again. And then just, like, inch forward until you get checkpointed again. It's pretty bad. Wow, that's awful. Going into kind of the next form of difficulty. And I'm kind of... I'm kinda, We've kind of been talking about these in what I would see as their, like, most to least common. Like, the ones that are done most, the ones that are done less. Uh, would be, like, difficulty modifiers. Um, and in a lot of cases, these difficulty modifiers are used as a form of linear progression. Um... And the most common and probably most prominent examples of these are deck builders. Things like Slay the Spire or Monster Train. Where when you complete the game, you unlock a higher setting that modifies the game in somehow. And it's got like a list of settings. So like you have things like Ascender's Bane Inspire and 33% increases to health or damage. So you have these modifiers that get applied directly onto the game that change how the game is played. So when, like, for example, in Slay the Spire, at Ascension 20, you have to play the game way differently than you do at Ascension 0. Like, the game is a completely different game just from all of these modifiers that are added on top. And when these are used as, like, a linear progression, it's basically just scaling difficulty. It's not really, like, it doesn't use this modifiers to its, to its like, full potential. But there are a couple games that go a little bit further. So, for example, uh, Slay the Spire has, like, daily challenges, which kind of add modifiers that change each day. Um, and Monster Train, at the end of the game, when you hit, like, your 25 Covenant, 
which is like the hardest difficulty level, you have these challenges where you can turn on additional modifiers. And there's like a list of them of like 15 or 20 different ones that you have to do. And basically you can turn on these modifiers and turn them off. There's also the option of Monster Hearing to like build your own challenges. And because of the way these modifiers work, each time you have a different modifier, the game is going to be played a little bit differently. As far as non-deck builders that use this type of difficulty, um, Bastion and Transistor both do. Um, Bastion having idols and Transistor having limiters, where you have these options to turn on a difficulty setting. So something that like makes enemies deal more damage, or enemies move faster, or you don't block for 100% of your damage, whatever it is. I know like in uh, Transistor they have, you have like less action points to use in your turn, things like that. And then in exchange, you get a trade-off. So in Bastion, you get like bonus money and experience. Um, I believe Halo also does this. Halo with Skulls did this a little bit, where you could add difficulty to the game to then uh, have bonus score through Skulls. Yeah, I enjoyed the Skull system in Halo, especially because some of them were difficulty-based, some of them were a little bit off the difficulty train, but they're all kind of kept in the skull pile. Like, confetti was just fun. Grunt birthday party. Yeah, classic. Oh, uh, Felseal was another one that had really cool difficulty modifiers, because it's anything from enemies' gear, what kind of items that they use, and how often they use items, the number of uh, random enemies in the game, and, like, there's a level scaling modifier in the difficulty presets, so you actually change whether enemies scale with your level based on where you're going, which which is really, really cool because a uh, strategic kind of RPG game can be a lot for somebody first playing it. So I really appreciate the fact that they included that in there so newcomers to that genre could get into it. Because a lot of the grid-based RPG tactics games are very punishing and a lot of them don't have really good difficulty settings. Yeah, I think I think that kind of genre winds up being um, inaccessible to a lot of people. Just because, like, I remember back when I was a kid, like, trying to play Tactics. And that game just, like, there was nothing I could do to learn how to play that game at that time. Now I can go back and play it and it's fine. Or something like XCOM. Because these games all, like, demand a certain level of knowledge to play them. And so anything you can do to make that, like, genre a little bit more accessible to someone who, like, doesn't have experience with the genre is a lot better. Yeah, and gaming can do a better job at getting people into it, I think. So I appreciate it any time a developer takes the time to try to get people into the genre and playing it more is definitely well appreciated. Yeah. So the next type of difficulty, and this one's a little bit different just because it's not necessarily a setting in the game or anything like that or like a inherent game design thing but i've called it kind of like restrictive difficulty so this would be something like in dishonored you have your like ghost playthrough where it's directly supported by the developers but isn't necessarily like part of the game like you don't have to do it it's totally optional but if you play the game with the restriction of i'm not allowed to be seen and it makes the game a lot harder and the game a lot different um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of examples like that where there are kind of developer added restrictions, uh, something like 1A Dashless in Celeste also exists, uh, Pure Strategy in like Dungeon Defender, something like that counts to an extent as well. Um, and then there's also in some 
situations, uh, game communities actually come up with these own like challenge challenges for themselves. Like the most prominent being Nuzlocks in Pokemon, where you have to only use the first Pokemon you catch, and if Pokemon faints, it's gone. Or the first Pokemon you catch in each zone. So yeah, and this is just it's a totally different type of difficulty. It very much fits like what I like of making the game play differently to give the game more replayability because it's just not the same game when you're playing it with one of these restrictions. Dishonored really does that really beyond most other games that I've played when it comes to having a restrictive challenge because it actually keeps track of your ghost playthrough for you, which is really nice. That was the first time I really played that game was going full ghost and also non-lethal. It took me a couple weeks, I think, to actually finish that, but... Well, like, the full ghost non-lethal playthrough is actually kind of insane in that game, because you have to not kill anyone, you have to not be seen, and if you, like, if you, like, choke someone out and put them unconscious, and then leave them in a position where rats can eat them, it's counted as a kill. So you actually have to, like, actively hide bodies in safe locations, which is kind of insane. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things I've done in a game. I'm going to have to do that again. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of a ton of examples with this. Like, there's obviously, like, challenges, like, in a lot of games. But I can't think of any more, like, super prominent ones that did this super well. Besides, like, things like Nuzlocke and stuff like that. Where it's just, like, the community-designed challenges that wind up happening. Yeah, another really good one I just thought of was actually using just the Plasma Cutter in Dead Space. And you had to beat the game with just the starting weapon. That's another classic one I really enjoyed doing. The fact that the game's possible to beat with just the starting weapon not upgraded is pretty cool. Yeah. There's also, like, people have done that with a lot of games. Like, people have tried to do, like, or have done Monster Hunter with, like, your base gear as well. Without, like, upgrading all that kind of stuff. So, it's kind of like, it's a niche type of difficulty because there's a lot of people who don't like it. But it is this thing that is sometimes developer is sometimes done by players creating challenges and things like that. Alright, so then the last type of difficulty, and I think this type of difficulty is possibly the coolest type of difficulty, and also the hardest to pull off, and that's what I'm going to call interactive difficulty. So these are games where how you play the games can affect how hard they are. So to give you an example, uh, we'll jump back into Dishonored again. Dishonored has its chaos system. So the more the more enemies you kill, the more bodies that are found, that kind of stuff, impacts how many guards and how many weepers and how many rats are on subsequent levels. So if you kill a whole bunch of people, then the next level will have more guards present and more rats to like in uh kind of add an additional challenge. Whereas if you go low chaos, so if you don't have any kills, for example, then that kind of then the guard number stays at like what's like its base value. And so you have these different levels of chaos and the more that you the more chaos you cause, the harder the game gets. And the game actually actively changes its difficulty around how you play. Yeah, this is something that needs to be done more, I think, by developers. It's probably not an easy thing to do. Uh, another good example is actually being a vampire in the Elder Scrolls series. It's like a decision that you play the game as a vampire, but then sunlight starts hurting you. And if you go long enough without actually feeding on people as a vampire, they start recognizing that you're not normal. 
and eventually will actually just attack you on sight if they realize you're a vampire. Which then changes the game because you can't really walk around in daylight anymore unless you choose to A, feed on a human or get cured somehow. I did a full vampire playthrough in Oblivion at one point and makes the game very challenging when you can't walk outside without <laughs> bursting into flames. Yeah, like another example, if uh, like XCOM does it as well, where like in XCOM 2 you have dark events, which are the special alien techniques that happen. And what will happen in the base game is you'll get like two to three options of guerrilla ops that you can go on and you'll get to pick one of them. And then that will have like, that'll be able to delay or cancel one of the dark events, but then the other ones will happen. So you actually kind of get to choose which buffs or debuffs you have at any time because you get to choose that long war, which is the uh, developer endorsed community mod for that game makes it even better because you still have the dark events um, you have region strength where the str- the like stronger your resistance force or sorry the stronger the advent force is in a region the more enemies are on missions in that region and then you have just they give you a whole bunch of missions and you can't complete all of them so you have to like pick and choose which ones you want to do to impact which areas and stuff like that yeah the game's really cool especially with something of that size that your decisions change the game the way the game interacts with you and the world around you is really cool mm-hmm. and like as someone i've played both xcom 2 and long war and i think i i just prefer long war like xcom 2 long war just because it's like it's endorsed by the like it's endorsed by the developers so it's not it, it is community made but the developers actually reached out to the people who did it for the first game and asked them to do it again for the second and it just makes the game way more in-depth and you feel like you have so many more meaningful decisions to be made in the game. Do you have anything else on interactive difficulty? Any other games you can think of? There's nothing in particular else that comes to mind, which really shows, I think, how much more this difficulty setting can be utilized. There's a lot of design space in it. I'm hoping that maybe with the next generation of uh, hardware coming out here, that people feel more free to do this kind of thing, because I'm sure it takes a lot of programming and a lot of behind-the-scenes hardware to make these things work. Yeah. So now, if you had to pick, which of these types of difficulty do you think you like the most? Which one I like the most? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. You know what? I think interactive difficulty, when it comes to stuff like Dishonored, I really like because playing the game on Chaos playthrough where you're killing things and no, you don't care, no one sees you and Ghost, almost feel like you're playing a different game. Because you have to use different skills. You have to approach rooms differently. Like, I really appreciate that. And then modifier is really fun. Like, if you want to give yourself, like, a crazy challenge. Mm-hmm. Which, with something like Felseal, I really want to get into that and uh, ramp it up a bit and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, about- I think, like... I definitely like interactive as like we both said, it's, it's hard to find games that do this super well just because they aren't overly common. But when you actually have a game that does it well and the game feels different when you play at different times is really cool. And then something like modifier, I want to see what games could do with modifier if it's used more. Cause like something like I'm, I'm a really big fan of both Bastion and Transistor and how they do their difficulty, because I like the idea of you just get to choose which modifiers you want to have active. And if you have none active, that's fine. But each one you add on makes like, can give you more to do. 
and can give you a little bit better XP or money or whatever it is. And I just, I want to see that explored in non-deck building games more because there just aren't that many examples of it where it's just a prominent part of the game for how you do difficulty. Yeah, I could see that. Just more dynamic changes to games based on just the difficulty without having to mod games would be really nice. It's very rare. Yeah. Well, you got anything else you want to touch on here? I think that's most of it. I think that I think that scaling is the most important type of video, of difficulty. Just because if you mess up scaling difficulty, it destroys an entire game. If you have, like, a level too early on that's too hard, or, like, the ending isn't hard enough, it just, like, the game becomes so much harder to enjoy and, like, embrace. Even if you have, like, if you have great restrictive difficulty or, like, uh, modifier difficulty, it doesn't matter if your scaling just sucks. And, like, the third mission's too hard for people. Yeah, you don't want people to bounce off your game before they really get a chance to actually get into it. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, something like Dark Souls drove me nuts when I started playing it. Because at like, the beginning of that game, there's a boulder that's, like, very, very hard to see coming down the stairs. And, like, kills you. Which I understand is, like, them trying to, like, hey, you need to watch out where you're going in this game. But it just feels kind of brutal to do to people. When that game has a lot to offer, but I don't think anything like that's necessary. Because, like, Bloodborne gets away without actually doing that to you. And that game is just as good as the Dark Souls game is. Well, my dearest friend, is there any uh, last comments? Anything you want to make before we head on out into the Great yeah. Smoky Beyond? I don't think so. going to go breathe in some smoke and cough my lungs out. Oh, it's wonderful. All those years of <laughs> quitting smoking is not going to do me shit if I walk outside. <laughs> <laughs> All those years of not starting in the first place. Well, aren't you just better than me? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I guess that's it for us today. Again, links in the description if you do want to find us anywhere else. And of course, any f- follows on Twitter, comments, or anything, you know, helps us get out there a little bit more, so that's definitely appreciated. Yeah, so that's it for us, and have yourselves a below average day. <laughs>